like Heather said, and many of you know, we're getting ready to do a, a, a special service today. It's going to be a special communion service. Um, um, I've been, we've been building up towards this and telling you a little bit about this for a couple of weeks now. Um, and I am thoroughly excited. I believe God is going to do something, um, or you're going to, let me rephrase that. I believe you are going to experience something from God that many of you have never experienced before. I want to set your intentions in your heart to receive something today. So get your hearts ready. Be, be ready to receive something from God this morning. Are your, hosts, your, are your hearts open? Hearts ready? Hallelujah. So um, let's go. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about communion here for a few minutes. We're going to do some practical application of communion, and um, we're going to get to that in a bit here. But, but what is communion? You know, Communion is a word that is used in some parts of the church. It's not used in all uh, other parts of the church. Some of the evangelical slash uh, church world will say, uh, use different words. They'll say that we're going to share in the Lord's table. They'll call it uh, the breaking of bread. Um, It is, there's, and then of course, communion. It's one of the two sacraments. I don't really enjoy the word sacraments because my connotation to the word sacrament, it's not a, it's not a biblical word. The word sacrament is not a biblical word, word at all. It, it, it came around about the 13th century, um, but, but it, you know, so there's these ordinances. A lot of the church used the word ordinances, but there were two that Jesus gave to the church, essentially two. One was water baptism. He said that after you were born again, that you should be baptized in water. And, and that is something that we do every now and again. And if you have never been baptized in water, we can talk about being baptized in water. We have a baptismal we put in front, in front here, and you get to get dunked in water, okay? It's all fun, and it's all good, and it's, it's a powerful, powerful identification in releasing, in identifying with the life of Jesus. You identify to dying to your old self in the water and being raised to newness of life. It is so a, a, a so this ordinate or this ordinance of water baptism is one of these sacraments that we do. We only do it. We only should do it once in our life. But many of us, maybe we were sprinkled as a baby, and yeah, you 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 experience something like that. You never really were immersed and had this experience where you were able to connect your heart to identifying with the with death, with dying to self. And like Jesus died and being raised in newness of life. And if that's, not, if that's something that you've not done, I want to encourage you, you can actually text the word baptism and we'll, we'll get back to you and put you on the list to get baptized. But that is not today. Today is, not, today is the other one that we, that we celebrate, and that is the Lord's table, breaking of bread, or communion. And it is super powerful. One of the reasons I don't enjoy doing it too regularly, and I've got to be careful how I word this, would I like to do it more regularly? Yes. The danger of doing it too often when we don't understand is when we don't understand the full weight of what we're doing is it can become a ritual. How many of you can, if you've come up or grown up in the church, can look back on a time when you've experienced communion and all it's been was a little bit of juice and a cracker and that was it? And it became something. I've been in churches where it was done every day. It, well, it's not every day. There, it's done every week. I've been in churches where it was done once a month. It was done in different times, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So um, there are churches in the world that celebrate it every day, multiple times a day. And so it's not uh, what I want to encourage you to do is after today, 
if you can connect with the reality of what we're doing, it can radically affect your life. Radically affect your life. And you'll see here in a few minutes, okay? So, so what, is, what is communion about? Communion is where we get to celebrate the love of God. We get to celebrate the finished work, finished work of the cross. We get to celebrate the covenant of peace. We get to celebrate the gospel of peace. We get to celebrate the great exchange. We get to celebrate all of these things. You know that, um, let, let's, um, let's, let's chat about, before I, get into, uh, the, before I get into the meat of 1 Corinthians 11, which we often like to use for communion, let's look at this in the love of God. We know, you know the scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave. Love is the ultimate motivation of God. We have to understand that God is love and that love gives. You know, we had a, we had a couple meetings here this weekend, and I love Hunter. Where's Hunter? Hunter, a guitar guy back there. Hunter had a question at our table when we were talking. Man, Hunter's an awesome 17-year-old, just so that you know. We think the world of Hunter. <laughs> He's awesome. And, and he asked the question. He asked this very profound question. It was like, he said, um, he said what is love? How do you know that you love? And I thought it was pretty profound because is love just a feeling? Is it just a feeling in your heart that you have? What are, what are the symptoms of being in love? Well, you see, God defines love. Agape love is defined as, as and we see it right here in John three sixteen. For God so loved that he gave. When, when you experience the love of God and you live in love, and even natural love to some degree is like this. Um, when you are in love, you want to give. You want to demonstrate. And especially with God's love, you are willing to sacrifice. God was willing to sacrifice for us. For God so loved that he gave his only begotten son. And the, the story of communion is about celebrating and understanding and grasping and remembering that God loves us. He passionately loves us, that he was willing to trade his son for you, for me, so that we can be with him forever. So that is absolutely the first thing we need to remember. In fact, 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 says this, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. And in verse 10, it says this, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That's a powerful word there. So here, love was made manifest. And then he says, this is love. Not that we love God. I don't know how many of you came from a background where you were told, you need to love God. You need to love God. You need to show people how much you love God. You need to show God how much you love Him. Well, here it says, this is the definition of not love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us. You see, love originates with God, and we, we, you've, you've heard me say this so many times before, but about receiving God's love is, is where it starts because understanding that, that He actually is manifesting his love towards us and that he, this word propitiation, he made propitiation for our sins. That is, he made atonement for our sins. That is, the punishment that brought us peace, which we will read about in Isaiah, was upon him. God is the peacemaker. 
Remember those shepherds that day in the field, the day that Jesus was born? Shepherds were washing their socks by night, something like that. (laughs) Suddenly, this heavenly host appears and says, glory to God in the highest, peace and goodwill toward men. I like that verse in the New King James Version because a lot of versions say, peace amongst men on whom God's favor rests. Well, there has never been peace amongst men. There was goodwill towards men. God is the peacemaker. He is Jehovah Shalom. He is the God of peace and the God who made peace with men. And we see that this is celebrating not only God's love towards us, but that He made peace with man. He originated peace with man. How did He do that? Well, I'm I'm glad you asked. Okay, so um, the the power (laughs) of the communion is to remember too, there are benefits to this new covenant that we're going to talk about. We have entered into a new covenant. You hear those words in 1 Corinthians 11, as I said, and we're going to unpack that in a bit over here. But we've got to remember in Psalm 103, this famous scripture that you know we use often, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity and heals all your diseases. Is there any room, question there, for any, for any uh, sin and any disease? No. But I guess what it says to us, it encourages right, us right there to not forget. What does that mean? That means we can You can forget his benefits, but not us, because we're going to do communion. Communion is about remembering his benefits. So not only his love, not only has God made peace with us, but that he has benefits for us, and that includes healing, and it includes remembering that our sins have been forgiven. Amen. So these, um, I want to drop down and start through this powerful Scripture that you know so well. I am going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And I'm going to read it out the NIV today. Verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. In remembrance of your sin? Hmm. In remembrance of me, he says, for each of those. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, the the scripture continues in verse 37. So then, whoever eats and drinks the blood of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Whoever ought to, uh, everyone, sorry, ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. This is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. Now, If you, like me, have heard 
That sounds pretty scary. You can eat and drink judgment on yourself. People have reminded them, people have been reminded if you've, if you've not confessed all your sins, or maybe you have some sin in your life that you have, some unknown sin or all your sins. So if you're going to share and you're going to jump into the communion, you better have confessed every single sin in your life and everything you haven't even done or maybe thought you may have done. Because just in case you've got sin in your life, there's churches that tell people they shouldn't take part in the communion. Now, maybe that's not your experience, and praise God if it's not. Because when you see this, again, here's a powerful little clue. We're going to break down to, to actually line. I love, I love what Seth said yesterday. Everything that we read in the New Testament has to be filtered through the finished work of the cross. Now, it doesn't help if we don't know what the finished work of the cross is. We have to know what the finished work of the cross is. And, and we, we promote a book here often called by Dr. James B. Richards called The Gospel of Peace. It is one of the most powerful exposés on the power of the gospel. And if you've never read that book, I encourage you to get hold of that book on Amazon. Or I like Kindle because I can read it at night on my Kindle in the dark. But I can go through those. But it is a powerful expose on the gospel of peace and, and these, some of these truths that we're going to. But you have to filter every understanding through the complete and finished work of the cross. You've heard me say this many times before. The names of God tell us the, incons the consistency of God's character. Every name of God, it shows how God, the unchanging, the God who never changes, there's no shadow of turning. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The unchanging nature of God is in His names. We see that in His names. Jesus was the exact representation of the Father. It says in Hebrews 1 and Colossians 1, that if you see Jesus, you've seen the Father. He came to show it. So when you see Jesus' life, you see how He acts towards the Syrophoenician woman or the Roman or the Pharisees, or how he lived his life is exactly how the Father treats us. What he did and accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection. We have to pass and filter everything through that knowledge. Amen. So here we go back to this verse. I, I'm going to pick out the verse and go a little bit backwards. So verse 30 says this. This is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. Now, it's actually talking about death. Do you know that this is the only verse in the Bible that I know that actually gives a reason why Christians are sick and why Christians can die early? Now, I'm not talking about an accident or, and, or something like that. I'm talking about according to God, according to this scripture, there is a very specific reason about why we can experience weakness and sickness, and even premature death. And he says, because we don't eat the bread and drink the cup in a worthily, worthy manner. Now, this has got nothing to do with sin in your life. Let me just, you will see why. We'll get into that. It's got nothing to do with you committing sin and you not taking it. To eat and drink the word, because it says over here, let me go back over here. It says in verse 28, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink from the cup. Because for those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. You see, we're going to, in a, in a few minutes yet, we are going to share in the Lord's table. 
and we are going to learn how to discern the body of Christ. Learn to recognize what Jesus did in his body and learn to do, recognize what he did on, um, with his blood. So that is an exciting thing because, okay, let's talk about this now. Um, covenants. The covenants. Um, there is a new covenant that we read about, and we've got to touch on what the new covenant is. New covenant. Um, where should I start? There was, I, this is just a quick overview of covenants. Some of you know this. God, as I said, has never changed. Yesterday, today, and forever, He is the same. But you know that there have been covenants Covenants are when God has dealt with men according to a covenant. We see there was an Abrahamic covenant. We're actually part of the Abrahamic covenant still to some degree. There was a Mosaic covenant. That was when the law was given on Mount Sinai. That was when the law was enacted and, and it was issued and became, um, a, it became a way that God was going to deal and work with mankind. And then there was the new covenant that Jesus was going to bring. And it's, it's powerful to, to see it this way. Now, um, the new covenant looks like this. I'm going to read from Hebrews chapter 8 um, and verse 6. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. For, that of the first co for if that of first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. But he finds fault with them when he says, and, I, and he quotes from Jeremiah chapter 31, but um, he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, which will not be like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So here, the Lord is speaking. He says, this new covenant is not going to be like that old one. Very important to realize because they did not continue in my covenant, so I showed no con uh, and so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. Verse 10, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds, write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. They will not each, uh, each teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least to the greatest. And listen to this, verse 12. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. Wow. There is going to be a new covenant, and the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, the, in, the, in the, with the prophet Isaiah, talks about this new covenant that was going to come, and he calls it the covenant of peace. In fact, in, in Hebrews chapter 54, verse 9, listen to this. This is like the days of Noah, as I swore the waters of Noah should no more over, go over the earth. So have I sworn that I will not be angry and I will not rebuke you. For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love, my chesed, my, it, my, my steadfast love, there's so many words for that, shall not depart from you and my covenant of peace shall not be removed. You see, that is that peace thing again. God was going to create a new covenant that was going to come, and he states very clearly that I will, in this new covenant, I was not going to remember your sins. Now quickly, many of you can look back and think about how many preachers or religious situation you've heard about one day in the sweet by and by, 
there's going to be that big screen that's going to be pulled down, and you're going to stand alone in front of the Lord. And there, all your sins are going to be shown. Mama's going to be sitting there. So you better watch out. You're going to be so, you, you, right? But here we see that there, there, is, there, there is going to be no remembrance of our sins. He will not take our sins into account. And in fact, there is so, there is so many scriptures that will, will talk about this. There, there, there is so many. I've got to just share a couple of them. I'm going to go back to Hebrews. I love the book of Hebrews, by the way, because Hebrews teaches this in chapters 8, 9, and 10 extensively. But listen to this. Um, in Hebrews chapter, let's see, verse 9, verse 27. And just as it is appointed for men to die once, and after that the judgment, verse 28, um, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. Now, that's just what I want to say there. Jesus appeared once, has been offered once. Say once. Once. Not again. He's talking about other sacrifices and how those sacrifices of bulls and goats, they couldn't they couldn't wash away the sins. They were done week after week, month after month, year after year. But here, Jesus was going to be offered once. Let me just finish off that sentence. For all your life? No, for all eternity. Jesus was going to offer in a, in a new covenant. Once he's going to be sacrificed, he's going to be the sacrifice, right? And listen to this in Hebrews 10, verse 9. He abolishes the first, he's talking about covenants again, to establish the second. And, and, and that uh, by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus once for all. Once for all time. And then verse 10, uh, chapter 10, verse 14. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all times those who are being sanctified. He has made perfect for all times those who are being made sanctified, uh, that are processed. We, we walk through our sanctification, but you've been made perfect. How many of you look in the mirror and feel the confidence in saying, man, you are perfect? Doesn't that sort of make your skin crawl a little bit? But the truth is, in God's eyes, you are. Not because of anything you've done, though. Because of what he's done. You see, and this is, so this is the beauty of this covenant that, that we, we're going to get into um, the, how and what Jesus did here. And I've got to hurry, so I'm going to try and get through this. I've, I just, I'm pretty loaded, as you can, might be able to tell. But, <laughs> but the, the joy of understanding that we are living in a new covenant. Now, I'm, I'm going to flash forward and just throw a pebble in the distance because we're going to get back to that. Remember, Jesus, when he picked up the cup, he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. So whenever we understand, that is a powerful phrase because if we don't understand what the new covenant is, then we don't know how to recognize his blood. We will eat unworthily. Now, does that mean God's going to roll up his sleeves and get the stick out? No. It means that if you don't know that he's already forgiven your sins, if you don't know what the new covenant is, you don't know how to appropriate the blood of the new covenant, then you can, you can judge yourself. It says you drink judgment unto yourself, you, not God. 
you drink judgment unto yourself because you don't know that you've been made perfect. You, aren't, you haven't been washed in some dinky little goat's blood. You've been once and for all sanctified and made righteous by the blood of Jesus. And let me tell you, it goes even beyond that, baby. Because 2 Corinthians 5 is, is, is huge. 2 Corinthians 5 talks about this great exchange. It's not just, it's not just that your sins were forgiven. You know, I, I lived under such condemnation because I guess I wasn't perfect enough to do what the church told me. You know, if you've sinned this week, you're not really born again. So I don't know how many times you were born again, but I must have been born again many, many, many times because I thought if I've sinned, it didn't stick last week. I better just double check because what happens if I die tonight in my sleep? And I, a couple of times I had a pretty, I've had a, a few close encounters. But the, the truth is, you weren't just forgiven of your sins. You are not just forgiven. You, <laughs> let me tell you, your sins, past, present, and future were forgiven. Somebody says, I don't believe that. How can you, God, forgive your future sins? Well, let me ask you, when Jesus died on the cross, how many of your sins were in the future? Thank you. All of them. Every one of them. But in 2 Corinthians 5, it's talking about the new creation. We all know 2 Corinthians 5, 17, and it says, it says um, you know, every... Every, if, if any man is in Christ, in Christ being the key word there, if we are in Christ, if we receive in Christ, every man is a new creature or creation. And then verse 18 says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, I'm reading it in the ESV and the NIV. They use the word reconciliation. And you've heard me teach on this, but I get excited about the word. It is, it is a, it's actually an accounting term. It's called, when, how many of you reconcile your bank account? the end of the month, you do a reconciliation. It's the same, it's the, basically the same word. It's katalaso. It's to, it's to make sure that the numbers add up. There is an, ex, so, so here he talks about through Christ reconciled. It's, it's talking about God exchanging us, his benefits for his righteousness, etc. So listen to this. All this is from God, from, uh, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So count how many times we hear that word. Reconciliation, verse 19. That in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Okay, here we go. Buckle up. Not counting their trespasses against them. Sorry, I didn't write that. That Just so that you know, verse 19, 2 Corinthians 5. Not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are, Christ, we are ambassadors for Christ. Make God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So just in case you think that you are automatically reconciled, you're not. We are saved by... By grace, through faith. Jesus has given us. God has earned the right. He has done this. But it's up to us to enter into Christ, to be, become a new creature. We choose to enter and become a new creature. When we enter and choose to become a new creature, we enter into Christ. We declare Him Lord and Savior of our life. Then we experience what this is. I like to call the great exchange, this katalaso. He gives us His righteousness 
Oh, I never got to that verse. Let me finish. Verse 21. For our sake, he made him, Jesus, to be sin, not to carry sin, be it. He became sin, who knew no sin, so that in him, where? In him, we might become the righteousness of God. There is the exchange. God made him, who had no sin, to become sin, that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. That is mind-blowing. Because what it's saying is that not only don't you have sin in your life, or your sin is forgiven, but you have the history of Jesus. You have the robe of righteousness in Jesus. You wear his robe. Now, this is not something that Jesus walks down and says, hey, here, Shannon, you can wear my robe. No, 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 no. I'm righteous because I step into Christ. I still have his righteousness. I'm not, a part, I'm not righteous apart from Christ. I'm righteous in him. In him. So it's not like he gives me a get out of jail free card and says, whoo-hoo, Shannon, go and sin as much as you like. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, no, it is in its exchange. When I'm entered into Christ, when I'm born again, I have his righteousness. He's taken my sin. Okay. Now that we can see a hundred times all over the place in, um, well, maybe not a hundred, but plenty times. <laughs> in, um, in Isaiah chapter 53, which is, of course, a, a hugely powerful scripture. But in, listen to this in verse, I'm reading out of uh, Isaiah 53, verse 4, ESV. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. I don't know if I should carry on. Um, yes, let me do that. Verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Uh, uh, he was crushed for our iniquities. Sorry, upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray and turned each one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Okay. So this, in those three simple verses, you've there we see the whole exchange prophesied in Isaiah. The whole covenant of peace was prophesied. And says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Now, we don't use words like sorrow and grief today. But you know that Young's little translation says, surely our sicknesses has he borne and our pains. Those, those Hebrew words literally mean sickness and pain. You don't need to carry sickness and pain. If you're living with pain, you don't have to. If you're living with sickness, you don't have to. Have to. He carried them. And then it says, but he was wounded. Listen to verse 5 again. He was wounded for our transgressions. How many of you have missed the mark? How many of you have rebelled and stepped across the line or traveled faster than the speed limit? Or, or whatever. Cheated the tax man. No, whatever. It doesn't. It's like, we, we, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him, the chastisement that brought us peace. So he took the punishment that gave us, here's that word again, peace. Jesus took it for us, right? So, and then it says, by his stripes, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray and turned his own one. The Lord has 
laid on him everyone's iniquity. Okay, super, super powerful. Now, we can, we can further down in this chapter, I've got to just get to this piece, man. It's, it's, I, the more I dream, I'm thinking, I just love this part. And it says in verse um, 10, yet it was the will of God to crush him. He has put him to grief. What? How many of you would like to crush your child? He did. Why? Heather said it, for the joy set before him. He was willing to give and sacrifice his son because he loved you. It was God's will to crush him, to put him to grief. And then in verse, I'm going to jump down to verse 11. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. Listen to this. By his knowledge, or by knowledge of him, shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. Isn't that powerful? That, that chapter is so powerful because it's talking about this, this massive great exchange. Now, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm trying to get through this. I'm just loaded. <laughs> These are truths that we get to participate here in a few minutes. These are truths that we use an act of faith to remember what he's done for us. Okay, so now let's talk about Jesus' most controversial message. You remember in John 6? The beginning of this message, there were a bunch of people that followed him. The day before he gave this message, literally the day before, was when he had given them and multiplied bread and thousands of people ate. And they thought that was pretty cool. So they were chasing him around thinking, hey, listen, let's get bread. Let's get more bread. That, that was pretty cool. So they, they thought that this was something. Hey, listen, Jesus can make bread. That's awesome. And so they find him the next day and they start talking to him about bread. And, they, and, and then they, they make this, that, I mean, this is literally yesterday. They, they, they had saw the, the bread, the multiplication of the bread. And they say to him, so, uh, what sign are you going to give us that you're the Son of God? What sign? Where? Five loaves, two fish, thousands of people. But they made a big religious deal of it. Now, um, for the sake of time, there is so much. I'd encourage you, read verse 28 to 59. But, but really... They, they say, um, this in verse 30, they say, what sign do you do that we may believe you? And what do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Well, Jesus was just waiting for that one. Bread from heaven. So Jesus says this, verse 32, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of, of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives his life to the world. So they say, oh, that sounds pretty cool. Okay, let's, let's have some of that stuff. Which bread is that one? And he says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And then he says in the next verse, um, all that my Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. I, I am going to jump down, as I said, because this is, this is such a, a long passage, but it's such a powerful passage. In verse 40, um, he says this, Everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I'll raise Him up on the last day. And then he, he, he carries on saying, um, 
um, a few times. I am, in verse 41, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And so they say, but, but this is, what do you mean came down from heaven? Isn't this Joseph's boy? We know he's mom and daddy. He says, I am the bread of heaven. So then in verse 48, he says this, I am the bread of life. He says it once more. In verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give him, will, uh, that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. And then the, then the Jews are ticked. How can he give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus says, truly, truly. Now you know he's talking serious, right? Jesus always spoke the truth. But if Jesus has to say truly, you know. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. Then he says in verse 58, this is the bread that came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. So he pushed them over. When they thought, listen, if you're going to take part of this bread, you're going to have to eat my flesh. They were like, that's enough. So they all leave. And Jesus doesn't say, hey, listen, guys, don't worry. Just hold on a second. You can all come back now. I, I didn't mean like I'm a cannibal. You should be cannibals or anything. Oh, please come back to my church. He just said, Turns to his 12 and says, you, you guys want to go as well? It seems like Jesus didn't read the church growth book. You know, it doesn't how, how not to influence people. I mean, how not to tick people off. He says, now, this is the thing about the bread of life, which I love. Do you know that Jesus says that I'm the living bread, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. You heard me just say it a whole bunch of times. I'm this bread, I'm the bread that it gives you. If you eat me, you eat my flesh, you put, he, says, he says this all the time, you know. Do you know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, right? You know that the word Bethlehem is, two, is a Hebrew compound word, Beit Lechem, the house of bread. Jesus was the living bread sent from heaven he was born in the house of bread, in Bethlehem. He is the living bread. He compares his life, his body to bread. He says, I give this, I give my flesh for the life of the world. So, so bread, we see this synonymous connection to Jesus, Jesus talking about the bread of life. Now listen to this in, in, sec, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the chapter just before we started with uh, in 1 Corinthians 11. He says, the cup of blessing that we, uh, in verse 16, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? And the bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Now, I'm going to stop with that word over here, participation. Is this bread not, he says, participation is koinonia. You get to share. It's a, it is fellowship. He says, you become one with, is not the cup one with the blood of Christ? Is not the bread one with the body of Christ? He says in verse 70, because there is one bread and we who are many, one body, if we will all take partake of that one bread. Guys, I'm running out of time here, but I want you to see, we can unpack this for a long time, but Jesus 
is the Lamb of God, as John said, who takes away the sin of the world. Here is the Lamb that takes away the sin of the world, John said. Here is the bread of life. When we get to this place where he says that we should do these elements in me, understand that there is an exchange that took place, right? There is a blood that gave us righteousness. It says that his body was broken for us. In fact, even in Mark 7, the, remember that story of the Syrophoenician woman whose daughter has been demon-possessed? And he says, listen, this is, why should I give? He's asking for his daughter to be healed and to be made whole. And he says, why should I give you the bread that belongs to my children? And she says, well, even the little dogs can get a crumb. Healing, right there, Jesus equates healing and deliverance with the bread of his children. Jesus said that his body was broken for us. His benefits are forgiveness of sins and healing our diseases. Do you know that his body, when we participate in his body, you can connect every sickness and disease. You can see and put it on Jesus. You can see that on him. You can take on the very righteousness of God. You are worthy. So next time, whenever, not just today, but whenever, you, whenever you're going to do communion, whenever you're going to break bread, how do you do it worthily? You recognize the body and the blood of Jesus. You recognize the new covenant in his blood. Amen? Amen. Remember this, uh, this last thought, and then I'm going to hand over to Seth here. Jesus did a finished work. You are not trying to get healing. You live from victory. When you see that your healing is already yours, you're not trying to get healed. You are healed in Him. I'm going to say this too. You who are battling with sin, you've struggled with sin, it's because you still see yourself as a sinner in that area. You have to see yourself as righteousness of God. When you see yourself, when you drink that cup and see yourself as righteous in Him, you start believing that you are the righteousness of God. You will, you will begin living righteously. You will, you will see it more and more in your life, but it's understanding who you are in Him. Amen. And who He's made this. Hallelujah. Amen. Don't forget His sins and His diseases. I mean, sorry, all of His benefits, who forgives all our sins and heals all our diseases. So I've got my good friend Seth here, and he specializes in helping us <laughs> facilitate this. I specialize in helping us. I like it. Yes, we are going to move into an experience now. You know, too often communion is, is run past, and Shannon, thank you, beautifully unpacking that, but we run past the beauty of communion by just doing it quick and simple, right? And not always anything wrong with that, but for today, we're going to give you an experience. You already can see that you're sitting at tables rather than sitting in rows. You're actually already looking at each other just because of the setup of the room. And that's by design because we want you to take what Shannon is so beautifully laid out in front of us now. We want you to connect. We want you to connect with who you are because of Jesus one quick thing, 2 Corinthians 5.17, when it says you are a new creation, you know what it's saying there? You have been made 
a new creation. You are being made a new creation, and you will be made a new creation. It never ends. It started, it's continuing to now, and it's moving right forward. So now, as we move into an experience of communion, I want you to connect with that. Connect with the depth of the fact that you today are worthy to receive the fullness of the life that not only was the Father willing to sacrifice His Son so that you could have new creation, have new life, Jesus was willing. You know, the Father was willing to sacrifice Jesus, but you know that Jesus had the right, right up to the end, to call on a legion of angels and deliver Him. The Father didn't say, you have to do this. Father was willing, but He said, you don't have to do this, Jesus. And Jesus said, I'll do it. And because he did it, you're now a new creation. Oh, my goodness. So whatever it might be, sickness, sin, whatever it might be that today you're not connecting with that's in that fullness of life, it's yours today. All right? So you have um, at each table, there is a table host, and that person is there to guide you now through a process. So I'm going to invite you to go ahead and turn your chairs and, and, and actually get in that circle of, of, table, of a table now and just kind of listen to me, but, I, but, but don't look at me. Ignore me. And just, just here, go ahead and, and get turned. Table hosts, I'll invite you to please go ahead and um, uncover the bread if you would. Get, don't do anything with it, but, but uncover it and, and get it in front of you if you would, please. And I want you to actually... Watch. Oh, and by the way, table hosts, as we begin this process, Sandra is available. Um, she'll be watching around the room. If, if you need assistance, um, Sandra is available. So just, just make a scene, raise your hand, whatever, and, and she will come to assist you. We don't want you to feel like you're, you're um, uncared for if you need help here. So the bread is now in front of you. In fact, go ahead and you have cups at the table. Go ahead and hand those around if you would as well. And I want you just, we're not going to rush this. I, I want you just to kind of take this in and, and for the moment just observe what is in front of you. Observe what is happening. Look at that bread. And, and look at the, 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 the juice. It's not just a little cup. There's actually a full cup there in front of you. And, and look at that and connect for a moment with the reality that, you know, in, in 1 Corinthians, Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. So, so as you're sitting there now and you're observing what's in front of you, remember him. Remember Jesus and, and his body that he sacrificed in order that we might live. His blood that was shed once and for eternity, once and for all, in order that you might be righteousness in Christ. You're not becoming righteous. You are righteous. It's at work in you right now. This is what's in front of you. The body, the bread, the juice, the blood of Christ. Now listen, each person in this room today, you're at different places and there are different ways in which the power right now of connecting with what Jesus did for you 
is significant in some area of your life at this moment. I want you to take that in. Let's not rush here. Observe and, and look at those elements and consider that you're alive because of Jesus. You are righteous because of Jesus. You are holy because a holy God possesses you. You're filled with the very essence of God, and that is you. And as we approach actually taking these elements, I want you to prepare your heart to let go of those roadblocks. Let go of those points of sin. Let go of those points of sickness. Let go of those things that are holding you away from him. Because he's not hiding from you. And this is a moment where you can say, oh, Jesus, thank you. That in that point, that place in my life where I most need you at this moment, you are there. You're not hiding, but you're there for me. Just soak that in for a moment. I'm going to be silent here for just a little bit because I want you to think about where you're most connecting at the moment with the Father, where you most are remembering Jesus. Okay, now table hosts, I want you, you, I see some, if you haven't poured the juice, go ahead and, and do that. Make sure everyone has a, a good full cup of juice. And then I want you to also take the bread. And you can choose how you want to do this at your table. You can hand that around if you would like and let everyone take a piece or you can, you can break them off for people. I, and probably let them tear it off. And don't be shy. You, you've got a nice big loaf of bread in front of you. Um, don't be shy. Take a nice, nice big piece of bread. Make sure you have a nice full cup of juice. Don't be afraid during this process now to um, get another piece if you need it. <laughs> Don't be shy. We're used, to, we're used to sliding this, and I don't want you to do that today. Maybe we should require that every table has no bread left. Yeah. No. <laughs> it's not just a cracker thing. 
Yeah, it's not just a cracker thing. You, you know, Seth, I, I just, <laughs> I, one thing I want you to recognize with this, what I said earlier, this is a substantial piece of bread that you're going to take. The, the matzah on the table, by the way, is the official Passover piece of bread, the unleavened bread. And by Jewish tradition, the Mishnah, the spoken oral laws, it was striped and pierced. You don't have to use a cracker, but when you buy matzah, you will see it's always striped and pierced. Mm. Pit, Passover bread. The Jews don't even know why, but guess who was striped and pierced? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, but is. remember I said that it's for this reason people are weak and sick, and many of you have fallen asleep, because they haven't recognized the body. Why? Because you don't have to. When you recognize that your sickness... So as, as we move into taking the elements, I want you to truly imagine what you're taking in. I, I want you to deeply remember this. We're not doing this just for fun. We're doing it as, a, it is fun, that's okay. <laughs> but we're doing it as a point of connection. So as we partake of these elements, of the bread and of the juice, take it, consume it, Look at it, consider it, feel it. And at that point, that thing you've identified in your life, that point of, of, of need, that point of connection that maybe is the thing that you most need right now, picture that. Do this in remembrance of Him and specifically in remembrance of where your life is most needy. And I don't want to make this sound needy. But where your life is most going to benefit from the consumption of the depth and the fullness of what he's done for you. This is very personal, very real. And that's why we're making it large and giving you lots of bread and lots of juice. So again, take some time at each table and go ahead and consume those elements now. Take multiple bites of bread, multiple sips of juice, and remember Jesus. Table hosts, feel free to follow the leading in your heart to guide your table you know, in this process.
You guys are doing awesome, and I want you just to continue. You've already naturally kind of started what we want to do next, and that just converse at your tables. Um, the talking that's happening, just keep keep it going. I want you to just talk at your tables, share. I just walked through the room, and I saw your beautiful faces, and just saw that I saw joy, I saw tears, I saw so much amazing emotion going on and that's good connect with that and i just at your tables just begin to share those things that you're experiencing right now and feel free to continue to consume the elements as we take a few minutes yet for this process to continue
I don't know if any tables are, but if you're having trouble maybe getting conversation going, I realize some people may not know each other so well, but just ask each other simple questions. You know, how did that impact your heart? What are you experiencing? You know, where is Jesus touching you right now? What are you thinking? You know, just very simple questions maybe would help get conversation going if it's not. Feel free to pray for each other, love each other, encourage each other. I just want to encourage some of you, you're experiencing a touch from God and you may not even recognize it. You know, sometimes a touch from God is crazy obvious. Other times you maybe, if you checked right now, maybe you'll find that that pain in your body is gone. Maybe you'll find that those emotions that were troubling you before are gone. That there's a peace, that there's a joy. You know, that there's a physical ailment gone. 
stop, you know, and connect with that and celebrate it and embrace it and enjoy it and let that process happen. Because I don't know what all that excitement in the back table was about, but that was awesome. But even quietly in your own heart, celebrate what God's doing in you right now. Sandra, could you join me up here?
for those that may be watching by live stream or by video later, I trust that you too are having a deep personal connection with the Father, that you're just connecting with the depth of the personal connection with Jesus. It's just so amazing and so powerful. And I just trust that you're having that same experience, even if this is watched later, um, not live, that you have an amazing experience with him. Okay, if you're still praying or you're having, you know, very significant conversations, I don't want to disrupt that, but for the rest of you, um, I'll just draw your attention back up here. Sandra's going to join me here for a minute, and uh, man, I, um, I would just like to begin by saying thank you, Lake Haven. I know Sandra and I, we only show up here, I guess we have a habit of a couple of times a year, but we always feel so at home, and it's just a delight to be here. And I don't say that to every church I'm in. <laughs> it really does feel like home when we're here, and it's because of people, it's because of you. And I am so glad, and Sandra can even add to this more than I can, but I took a moment and just walked out among you here a little bit ago. Oh my goodness, how precious. Um, just seeing your faces, but seeing you connecting and seeing you interacting and loving each other, praying, connecting to the Father, amazing. You want to, you got to do that too. As I was walking, even before we really started, it like just struck me like the body of Christ is laying everywhere in this room, all over on these tables. The blood of Christ in that picture, like the picture of that, of Jesus having given himself, and here he is laid wide open for us to participate in the body and the blood. Yeah. And um, if you hear at all in the last little bit, I've I shared about Jesus getting his full reward in us. And as I was walking through, I just felt like Jesus was saying, I have my reward in these people. I have my reward here. He's looking at all of you, and he's seeing all of you, and he's going, here's my reward for everything I gave. And I just think he's so sweet and so precious. And the fact that he's given his life, and yet he continues to say, Here's my reward. Here, I love you. You are mine. You are sweet and precious to me. Every single one of you, no matter where you're coming from, no matter where you've been, no matter even where you're headed, every single one of you 
as an individual, as your own person, are so precious to him, so loved by him. And he's put his spirit on the inside of you. He is living inside of you. And connecting with that, that alone will help you grasp the idea of healing. His spirit's in you. Do you think he's going to reside in a place where there can be sickness alongside? His spirit is in you. And he's just so happy and proud. I just feel his joy when he's here with us. His joy of just like, I love these people. You know, the cool thing about that is it's not just Lake Haven people. He loves people. Remember that when you're out driving, right? When you're at Walmart, yeah, God loves them just as much. He loves people. He loves humanity, right? So Shannon has given me a permission that I want to celebrate here just real quickly. He's given me permission to call Lake Haven Church our sister church. So from your sister church of Open Fields in Greeley, Colorado, Open Fields Church, we say hello. And uh, it, it truly is a delight as we have just launched this new Open Fields Church, like, I don't know, we keep saying 10 weeks, I haven't actually counted it, but it's a brand new baby in Colorado, and I, it is so encouraging and helpful and just warming to our hearts to know we have our sister church here at Lake Haven. I call on your pastors all the time for encouragement, for support, for ideas, um, financially you support us. You are a blessing, and we love you. And we're honored to have been here once again and um, probably see you again in the first part of next year. So thank you. I know you do. T, I will um, turn this over to my brother from another mother, and here we go. Let's give uh, Seth and Sandra a hand. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I still got bread in my mouth. <laughs> Amen. This is the first time I did communion like this. It helps you remember Jesus for an extended period of time as you're chewing all that bread and extra cup of juice. Praise the Lord. His blood. You know, it's fun. I believe, like uh, Sandra was saying, he's smiling. Jesus is happy. He's joyous about this. This is a celebration. And we are going to continue to celebrate today. Amen. With the potluck. And, and Karn's going to come up afterwards. But, um, you know, Pastor Shannon mentioned something in our meeting this morning that was, was awesome. You know, what better time, if any time, if you don't know Jesus right now to get to know him? You know, we've had such awesome words spoken from up here this morning concerning what Jesus did for us to receive eternal life. So he's not holding back. And this is a precious time amongst brothers and sisters in Christ to join the family if you haven't joined the family. And uh, so we want to make that opportunity available and, um, and give that opportunity to those that may be here or maybe you're watching online 
and you can text the word prayer to the number that's on your screen. But let's just uh, momentarily close our eyes, if, if you would. And, and, and we can say this as a family, as a body, because this is a precious time, and we're, we're in remembrance of what he done for us. And because of that, we can receive, as many of us have already, Jesus as Lord. But maybe there's someone here physically or someone watching online. So let's just say, Jesus, if you would, thank you for giving your life for me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. Receive me into your family. Thank you. I receive you. Amen. And, we, you know, I, I purposely keep it simple because, you know, I grew up in church and it's like you go down this long road of salvation. There's people that, you know what, they receive the Lord Jesus just sitting out somewhere in an office or in some type of uh, island or somewhere because it's not complicated. Jesus made this simple. And maybe you made that statement today and you receive Jesus as Lord. Um, you know, we would like to give you some more information and we would like to uh, give you an opportunity to give us an opportunity to put some items in your hand to go forward with. And once again, those that are watching online, you can text the word prayer and we'll contact you. But if you're physically here, you can come up for we have our prayer ministers here, even if it's not just for salvation, which is amazing. It is important, but maybe you have something on your heart or you would like us to agree with. You would like us to believe with you. We have capable prayer ministers here that's willing and able to agree with you and pray with you scripturally and lead you uh, into that life of victory that Jesus has already provided. That has already provided. Amen. So if that's you, you know, this is a time to celebrate. This is a time to get in. This is a time to step in. Just come forward. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. We don't get things by holding back. We get things by just taking. And that's what Jesus wants us to do, to take what he's provided.